Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, you guys. It's Misty. This is Lattes and Legends. Hi. Happy hmm. Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Um, welcome. I am recording this on a Tuesday mid-afternoon. It's around, it's almost 4 p.m., so... I'm opening a beer because I officially start vacation tomorrow. That's right. We're going to Vegas and they'll be there until um, Monday. I get home really late Monday night. So maybe you'll get a podcast on Tuesday. Maybe you won't. I'm going to go with you won't because I'll probably be recovering. And there's lots of things that happen after I get back from Vegas. We're picking up the four cats that we've adopted. The wood stove, winter. And then I go on another vacation to Georgia to see my family. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm really hoping there will be some cameos on my podcast while I'm there. Maybe Donovan. Hi, Donovan. will pop in and say hello. Or maybe Christy will tell you her favorite urban legend. And you can hear us talk. At the same time, yep, twins on a podcast, <gasps> how could they? I hope she does it. Christy, do you hear me? Um, what else? Hi, all the new listeners and the new ratings and reviews, thank you so very much. I am so happy that you are loving the show, and thank you so much, new listeners and new subscribers. You can also be a new listener or subscriber. Go to anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Amazon, Anchor, anywhere. Apple, give me a review. I like five-star reviews. I like four-star reviews. If you don't want to give me a good review, keep it moving. Stop listening. Okay, bye. Um, So much has happened. Uh, I just got back from Denver on Friday. 
I was there for a solid three days for my birthday party, as I like to call it. Um, thanks for everyone that came. Everybody RSVP'd. A couple of bands even showed up. I think the band Primus was there. That was pretty spectacular. Those guys. It was amazing. So yeah, so um, thanks to Jen and Booker that came and hung out with us. And all the hotel antics. Stealing beer such. Don't call the cops. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah. New listeners, new raters, new reviewers, check out the podcast at Facebook. It's Lattes and Legends podcast. Instagram is Lattes and Legends. And Twitter. I don't know my Twitter account. I just copy and paste. I really don't even know my password to Twitter. So anybody could hack it. I don't really care. Just post some great stuff. Okay, thanks. Any other stuff? Hmm. <laughs> I think that might be it. Uh, this episode is going to be quite long. And it's funny because I was going to do two different topics. And as I was doing research and edits and everything, I noticed I had 17 pages on Word of content to tell you guys about this topic and then I said no one wants to listen to me ramble on for an hour and a half when probably the first topic is going to be at least 35 to 40 minutes so I'm just going to get started with that and I'm going to take a sip of my beer and I'm going to tell you all the story of the origin of the Ouija board okay Here we go. Uh, By the way, my beer is delicious. It is a Melvin Hazy beer. The thing I love about this beer, this is um, a really good brewery in our area. They come from, where do they come from? Wyoming. Um, I like this beer because it's a break dancer on the front with a boom box. And it's called Back in the in the Day Haze. And it says Hop and Lock on it. Um, it's just really funny to me. It says Recycle Suckas on the back. Anyway, this is all about the beer. I'm drinking. And you're not. You're, because you're listening to my podcast. And I'm not drinking a coffee. Although when I'm in Vegas, I feel there will be lots of coffee to be had. All right. So are you guys ready? Here we go. So sources for today's episode come from Wikipedia, smithsonianmag.com, nerdist.com, time.com, theguardian.com, liveabout.com, bbc.co.uk, slash a history of the world, slash objects, Cultoftheweird.com. This was a cool website for sure. I added it to my bookmarks. Um, let's see. Theculturetrip.com, oldest.org.culture.wigiboards, morbatorium.co.uk, another amazing website. Another Smithsonian mag.com page. I'm not going to tell you what it's about because then you'll figure out part of the story if you're 
hip on this topic. And the parisreview.org. Yes. So, um, before I begin, I've heard Ouija board pronounced in so many ways. Ouija, Ouija. I say Ouija. If I'm saying it wrong, it's cool. I'm 44 years old. I'm not changing the way I say it. So, again, keep it moving. All right, so... Let's talk about February 1891. This was the time when the first few advertisements started appearing in papers. The advertisement said, Ouija, the wonderful talking board. And these ads were all over Pittsburgh. The Ouija board was being sold in a Pittsburgh toy and novelty shop. And it was described as a magical device that answers questions about the past, present, and future with marvelous accuracy and never-failing amusement and recreation for all the classes. Hmm. It also called itself a link between the known and the unknown, the material and the immaterial. Cool, huh? Then there was an ad in the New York... um, New Yorker? No. A New York newspaper, I don't know which one, I didn't write that down, that said the Ouija board was interesting and mysterious. Yeah. And back then, when it had finally gotten patented, it was $1.50 to buy it. (laughs) So there's lots and lots of lots of stories behind the Ouija board. And I wanted to tell you first about the man who invented the Ouija board and um, how there was a soup there. There's a lot of mystery behind the origin of the Ouija board. Go figure. So generally when we hear about these stories, there's always money at stake. There's always lives at stake. You know how it goes in the world of the supernatural. Well, it was no different in the 1890s when 2,000 Ouija boards were being sold a week. A week. Crazy, right? So William Fold, F-U-L-D, he worked for and invested in the Canard Novelty Company. And eventually he gained control of the Ouija business after the founder cashed out way too early. He went on to make millions when he manufactured the Ouija board in Baltimore and all over the country. But after his brother was cut out of the company, all of this happened for him. So his brother Isaac um, was part, sorry, his brother Isaac was part of the company, but William pretty much stabbed him in the back and was like, I'm selling all the Ouija boards. I'm taking all the money. Screw you. That's that. So there were lawsuits. It was a big mess. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother Isaac was so mad and bitter about William that he even exhumed all of their family's bodies out of their grave sites and moved them far away from William's future grave site because he didn't want anything to do with him. He was so over him and he was like, 
you're an asshole, you've taken all the money, we're moving grave sites and we're never speaking to you again. So basically the two sides of that family wouldn't speak for 96 years. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about just a few little fun facts. So Luigi Board is a mysterious talking board. Um, it's sold on the board game aisles in stores today. Target, what have, does Target have it? I don't know, we don't have a Target. Have you seen a Ouija board in the store? Do tell. So it's a flat board with letters of the alphabet. And they're arranged in two semicircles. Above the numbers 0 through 9, the words yes and no. And then goodbye is listed at the bottom. Your board also comes with a little tool called the planchette. And it's a teardrop shape. And it has a window, small little window. So you can see the letters or numbers that the quote board chooses. The idea of this board is that two or more people sit down around it, place their fingertips on the planchette, ask questions, watch, presumably dumbfounded as the planchette moves from letter to letter. And then it spells out answers basically on its own. Got it? Got it. That's a Ouija board. So, um... Back then, the board was wood. Now it's cardboard, and the planchette was—I uh, don't know what it was made of then, but now it's plastic. Um. So the thing is, this there's been a lot of history behind Ouija boards. There's even Ouija board historians. One in particular is named Robert Murch, and he's been studying the story of the Ouija board since 1992. Um, and that's when he started his research. He is still doing some research. And he um, he thinks that it's really odd that this board game, so to speak, has basically put fear and wonder in Americans. And he's just like, I don't understand where it came from, what idea... This was, but when it came out in the 1890s, that was the 19th century, there was this crazy, crazy, crazy thing happening in America called American spiritualism. And if you listen to these types of podcasts, you know what American spiritualism is, the people associated with it, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it. I'm going to tell you about the infamous... Fox sisters and their relation to 19th century American spiritualism. So the Ouija board, like I said, came straight out of the American 19th century obsession with spiritualism. Basically, spiritualism was the belief that the dead are able to communicate with the living. This is where mediums came out, all these people having seances, the whole nine yards. It all came out there. Well, um, spiritualism was around in Europe for a few years, but really came to America around 1848, perhaps. And that's when the Fox Sisters came about in upstate New York. The Fox Sisters claimed to receive messages from spirits who rapped on the walls and answered to questions. They recreated this feast of, feat of channeling in parlors across their state. Hmm. They told stories about 
other spiritualists, and they apparently had celebrity friends. So that kind of helped them chug along. The American Spiritualist Movement came about um, and was one of the greatest religious movements in America at the time. So let's talk about the Fox Sisters. And this all began in their bedroom in Hydesville, New York. On a late March day in 1848, Maggie Fox and Kate, 14 and 11, uh, were eager to share an odd and frightening phenomenon. Every night around bedtime, they would tell their neighbors that they heard a series of raps on the walls and furniture, raps that seemed to manifest with a particularly otherworldly intelligence. The neighbor was very skeptical and was like, I'm coming to see this myself. So she joined the girls in the small chamber they shared with their parents. While Maggie and Kate huddled together on their bed, their mother, Margaret, began the demonstration. Now count to five, she ordered, and the room shook with the sound of five heavy thuds. Count fifteen, she commanded. Next, she asked it to tell the neighbor's age. Thirty-three distinct raps followed. If you're an injured spirit, manifest it by three raps, she said. And it did. Hmm. Margaret Fox did not think about the date. It was March 31st, April Fool's Day Eve, and the possibility that her daughters were frightened, not by an unseen presence, but by a prank could have been happening. And that's what the neighbor thought, too. So the neighbor was like, mm, I don't know. I'm not really sure if I should believe this or not. You get the deal. So eventually the Fox family left the house and Maggie and Kate were sent to live with their older sister, Leah Fox Fish in Rochester. Um, so generally that would have been the end of the story. Oh, they went to live with Leah. It's fine. They're doing their own thing. Goodbye. However, Rochester was a new hotbed for this new religious activity and American spiritualism. Yes. Um, This is also the place that gave birth to Mormonism, Millerism, and Seventh-day Adventism. So you can basically tell that, yeah, some stuff going on there. Hotbed, hotbed. So there were rumors when Maggie and Kate moved in, that they brought this paranormal energy with them. And so, of course, the residents of Rochester said they have to examine her home to see what they could find. Mm -hmm. So these community leaders were called Amy and Isaac Post. They're very intrigued about the Fox sisters' story, of this house. So Leah Fox told her sisters the story and the story went a little like this. She bought this house from a peddler who had lived there for a little while, but he was murdered five years before she bought it. So then the post 
decided that they would dig and try to gather evidence. They found strands of hair and what appeared to be bone fragments in the cellar. So long story short, the posts sat in for one of the Fox sisters' seances and soon discovered that everything that they had been doing was all a hoax. Everything was a lie. They did this for years and years. And Maggie and her younger sister, they became super famous. They earned a lot of money. They went on tours. And then Leah was totally into it. She kept pushing them, pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. And then eventually she's like, this is not real. This is all a hoax. Thank you for your money. Goodbye. So this is a little touch on spiritualism. I know that there were other people that were devout in spiritualism. Andrew Jackson Davis was one of them. And he... He asserted that he could talk to other spirits and that higher spheres were speaking through him and to him. And yeah, he told his family that he could channel spirits through his bedroom. And he sought out the Fox sisters at some point to try to channel spirits as well. Yeah. So... The Americans who adopted spiritualism believed that they had a hand in their own salvation and direct communication with those who had passed. And those who had passed were offering them some sort of insight to basically what their fate was, their ultimate fate and the ultimate fate of their souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know I just touched on this a little bit, but just... To reiterate, Maggie, Kate, and Leah Fox went on a professional tour, and they wanted to spread the word of the spirits. They um, wrote books. They conducted sessions. They had large tables. They had distinct hours, admission, all sorts of visitors. James Fenimore Cooper came, William Lloyd Garrison, all of these authors, totally on board with spiritualism. There was even one moment where one of the spirits said, quote, spiritualism will work miracles in the cause of reform. Hmm. So when did spirits start speaking like that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So Leah stayed in New York and she basically had her own callers in what she called a seance room. So she stayed there and entertained people with her hoaxy spirits meanwhile kate and maggie took their show on the road yes cleveland cincinnati columbus st louis washington dc philadelphia everybody everybody got to see them however there's one person her name was alicia kent kane and she said that all this was a fraud however maggie was so charming that she started to believe that it wasn't a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, basically, um, I don't know what I was going to say. Basically, Kate, who was devout in spiritualism, she ended up marrying a spiritualist, and she kept her show on the road. She kept developing her, quote, medium powers, 
talking to spirits, communicating with two-way messages, spirits, yeah. And then she would write it all down. She wrote journals and books and was crazy. So she had one big session, and this guy's name was Charles Livermore, and she summoned his dead wife and the ghost of Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Basically, Benjamin Franklin announced who he was by writing his name on a card. And that moment, Mr. Livermore was, oh, she's the real freaking deal. So he made this huge announcement and told all of his friends and family that she was the real deal. Her business was booming. But after the Civil War, things really started to change for them. Yeah. So Kate was really starting to see full-fledged apparitions. And what she was doing was 100% she thought was real. And this was starting to wear on her so much. She couldn't handle being a spiritualist anymore. There's just There was wars between all the spiritualists. And there was so much going on that she started to drink heavily, 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 heavily. Eventually, she denounced spiritualism altogether. And she um, had this engagement for an evening at the New York Academy of Music. And this is where she would publicly, publicly denounce spiritualism. She got paid $1,500 for the exclusive. Her main motivation for throwing everybody under the bus was her rage at her sister Leah and other spiritualists. They had actually publicly chastised her for drinking and accused her of being unable to take care of her two children. Mm-hmm. Kate actually planned to be there when Maggie threw everybody under the bus. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, hmm. So do you want to hear a little bit of her speech? It goes like this, quote, my sister Kate and I were very young children when this horrible deception began. At night, when we went to bed, we used to tie an apple on a string and move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor, or we would drop the apple on the floor, making strange noises every time it would rebound. A great many people, when they hear the rapping image at once, think that spirits are touching them. It is a very common delusion. Some very wealthy people came to see me some years ago, and I did the same wrappings for them. I made the spirit rap on the chair, and one of the ladies cried out, I feel the spirit tapping me on the shoulder. Of course, that was pure imagination. Isn't that crazy? All this time, all a hoax. Um, So basically, after this incident, the mainstream press called that a death blow to the movement of spiritualism, and that's when spiritualists decided to quickly take sides. After Maggie's confession, apparently this spirit appeared to her, 
But of course, no one really believed her because they were like, everything you just said was a hoax. You're not really a medium, so we don't believe you. Mm -hmm. She did recant her confession about a year later, and then she insisted that her spirit guides were the ones that told her to do so. Mm -mm. Nope, 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 nope. Um, She never reconciled with her sister Leah, who died in 1890. Kate died two years later while on a drinking spree. Maggie passed away eight months later. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And that was the year the spiritualists formed the National Spiritual Association, which today is known as the National Spiritualist Association of Churches. Oof. Yeah. So that is the story of American spiritualism and um, the Fox sisters. So that sort of ties in to the Ouija board. And so now we're going to go right back in to what Mr. Murch has said about the Ouija board. All right, so Mr. Murch has said, quote, Communicating with the dead is common. It wasn't seen as bizarre or weird back then. It's just hard to imagine that now when we look at that and think, why are you opening the gates of hell? Hmm. All right. So let's talk more about the Ouija board, shall we? You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. So according to a lot of these interviews that Merch has done, he has learned quite a bit about the Ouija board, the patent, everything else. So the first patent really gives no explanation on how the device works or anything like that. He said that the makers of it were shrewd businessmen and all they wanted to do was make money. Excuse me. They didn't care what people thought or even if it worked. So clearly it was just a money maker. The factory that started in Baltimore had one in Baltimore. And then as the sale of the Ouija boards started blowing up, there were two. And then two factories in New York, two in Chicago, and the one in London. Like, these guys really did. Mm-hmm. But this, it was this William Fold guy. And remember when I talked about he took all this company from his brother? Oh, yeah. So karma bit him in the ass. So here's the thing. He never claimed to be the inventor per se, but he cashed in all the rewards. However, in 1927, he died from a freak fall from the roof of his new factory. A factory he said the Ouija board told him to build. Mm-mm. Yeah, karma is a bit. Sorry, I've been cussing a lot this episode. Sorry, Donovan, cover your ears. Um, so now let's talk about how it's been, I don't know, about 120 years since the Ouija board was invented. And there's just been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot happening with it. And we've seen movies, we've read books, all kinds of stuff that have to deal with the Ouija board. And Around the 1970s, 80s, you guys remember that thing that was called Satanic Panic? Yeah, 
Well, the Ouija board has been blamed for that too. So around 1973 is when there were some very mysterious stories and murders that were happening. Apparently, people said the Ouija board inspired them to kill. Mm -hmm. That was 1973. So I don't know what to tell you. Also that year, guess what? The Exorcist hit theaters. And the way the movie made it out to be was that Reagan, the main character, if you've never seen Exorcist, um, we should talk. It'll scare your pants off. Anyway, um, so in the movie, apparently, she's 12, and she was playing with the Ouija board. <coughs> Excuse me. And a demon possesses her after she does not close the Ouija board out correctly or ask it the wrong questions yeah so that's when people started to worry about this Ouija board they're like eh, that's not a good idea yeah so basically almost overnight the Ouija board became a tool of the devil and then that's when horror writers and movie makers were all about it they did not care they would use the Ouija board for any movie, there's movies that are not horror films that have Ouija boards in them. Basically, after all this, even the Catholic Church calls them far from homeless. And that was in 2011. So, um, However, I don't know if you guys ever watched The 700 Club or saw the creepy man Pat Robertson on The 700 Club. Don't get me started. He's a fanatical Christian. I have nothing against U.S. religions, but he's... Crazy. Uh, so he declared that demons can reach us through Ouija boards. Yeah. Um, even in the paranormal community, Ouija boards are a little bit dodgy. Mm, but mostly people are like, if Parker Brothers and Hasbro is making it, it's not scary. It's a toy. However, you never know with these things. The Ouija board has since become popular again. There's been tons of new movies. The future Ouija board. Um, and like I said, Hasbro has been pumping them out like crazy. So the real question is how does it work? How does a Ouija board work? So Ouija boards, according to scientists like Merch, say that they're not powered by spirits or evil demons. No, they're powered by our energy. Even when we say we're not doing anything, we're still moving the planchette. It's just how it works. I get it. I 100% get it. Um, so one professor at the University of London, Dr. Chris French, says this. It can generate a very strong impression that the movement is being caused by some outside agency, but it's not. The thing about all these mechanisms is that we're talking about dousing rods, Ouija boards, pendulums, they're small tables, they're devices, and they were created for a small muscular movement. Um, planchettes in particular are well suited for this task because they're lightweight 
and they're fitted for the board. He's right. He's very right. Quote, and with Ouija boards, you've got the whole social context. Once the idea has been implanted there, there's almost always a readiness for it to happen. He's 100% correct. I think so. I mean, I've personally never used a Ouija board. And I'm the kind of person that I don't want it around. But whatever. Okay, so let's talk about this one experiment that he did. And this was with a, a Ouija playing robot. Yeah, that's what I said. So participants were told that they were playing with a person in another room um, through Zoom. Zoom or Skype or something. The robot, they were told, mimicked the movements of the other person. In all actuality, the robot's movements simply amplified the motions, and the person in the other room was just a ruse. Mm-hmm. Participants were asked a series of quite yes or no questions and expected to use the Ouija board to answer them. What the team found surprised them. When participants were asked verbally to guess the answers to their best abilities, they were only about 50% right. When they asked, when they used the board to answer, believing that someone else was doing it too, they were 65% right. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. So, Dr. French said some people were complaining about how the other person was moving the planchette around. That was a good sign that they really got this kind of condition that people were convinced that someone else was there. It was really just a robot. Yeah. So, again, I don't know what to tell you about trusting the Ouija board or... I don't know. Again, I think... It's made by Hasbro and Parker Brothers. Like, it's a game. This My Trivial Pursuit game also helped me talk to Benjamin Franklin. No, it sure doesn't. So, I mean, they're made in the same factory. Does it use soy or nuts? Because maybe that could have something to do with it. I don't know. So let's talk about Hasbro and the Ouija board. Hasbro's latest edition of the Ouija board... Has so many people just really loving it. It's got the real wood feel, and the planchette has a black LED light that lights up when you touch it. And this helps the letters glow. Hmm. Um, whenever you want to use the Ouija board, there are rules. You guys know about these rules? Number one, never use it alone. Playing Ouija by yourself leaves you more vulnerable to an evil spirit coming through from the other side. So always make sure you play with one or more friends. Hmm. Number two. I don't like number two because this is the only place I would play Ouija. Never use the Ouija board in a graveyard. Why? Why? I'm not using it in my house. Graveyard. I can close it. I'm done. My house? Absolutely not. Mm Mm-mm. The rules imply using a Ouija board in a graveyard or somewhere where a violent murder took place can cause a malevolent entity to come through the veil. Here's the thing. People weren't murdered in graveyards. They're only buried there. Anyway, number three, never never burn the Ouija board. 
A Ouija board is said to scream if you burn it. Anyone who hears the board scream will have 36 hours to live. Burning a Ouija board doesn't work anyway, according to stories, as it always seems to end back up in the owner's home, fully intact and in the box. Ew. The proper way to dispose of a Ouija board is to break it in seven pieces, sprinkle it with holy water, and bury it. I have other things that say it otherwise, though. So I'll get to those in a second. These rules are just from the um, Hasbro and Parker Brothers Ouija boards. Number four, never leave the planchette on the Ouija board. That can allow a demon or a spirit to escape from the board. Okay. Number five, never, ever, ever, ever ask, ask the Ouija board when you will die. Number six, always say goodbye. Closing the board is important as it shuts the door to the other side and prevents the lingering spirits from interfering in your life. Hmm. Um, if a spirit does not say goodbye back, you need to say it again and then place the planchette through the flame of a candle. This is a lot. I'm not, when I play Trivial Pursuit, I don't have to do this. I don't have to tell goodbye. We just pick the winner and shut the box. This is too much. I'm sorry. This is why I don't play Ouija board. I can't even deal with it. All right. So when... Should you get rid of your Ouija board? Hmm. It might be time to get rid of your Ouija board or buy a new one when you experience any or all of the following. The planchette begins to move on its own or consistently loops in figure eights. The board says things like death, zozo, or evil. The board admits that it's satanic in origin and spells out names of demons or... Keeps showing the number 666. (laughs) I can't. I just can't. So when you decide to get rid of your Ouija board, you can do many things to dispose of it. You can just blatantly ignore it. Put it back in the game room closet. You can bury it. Um, And it said that you need to bury it face down. This does not say anything about the seven pieces. It just says you need to bury it with salt. So I don't know what that means. Um, burning and cutting. It says many people advise against burning or cutting of the planchette as a glass window. Make sure you don't lose or break it. Or this website I found said you can donate it to us. You can donate your Ouija board. Who wants to donate a Ouija board? I don't want that kind of juju. Um, by any means. So one of the last things I was going to talk about, um, what's my computer doing? Okay, sorry. Um, I found a website and it's oldest.org slash culture dot Ouija board. Um, and it's the nine oldest Ouija boards in the world. So number nine comes in and it's called the Oracle or mystifying Oracle. The designer was William Fold in Baltimore, 1915 to 1920. Number eight came out in 1907, and this is called the Nirvana Talking Board. One of the things I noticed about this board was the, I don't know if it's inverted swastika. It's the swastika, but it's moved a different way. You guys will have to check me on that. Um, But there's definitely a swastika on the top. Um, 
of this board. And apparently this one was made by the Swastika Novelty Company and Elijah Bond in Charleston, West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. Hmm, I wonder it's got a swastika on it. <laughs> Sorry. No offense if you're from West Virginia. I've just not had good times there. Um, number seven is the Oriole Talking Board. It was created between 1904 and 1920 by Isaac Fold. Oh, and in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, number six is the Isaac Fold and Brother Ouija Board, 1898 in Baltimore. Um, then there is one called the Igly, Igly, the Marvelous Talking Board, 1897 to 1899. The American Toy Company invented it in Baltimore. Man, Baltimore, you guys got a lot of Ouija Board action. What's that all about? Then there's the Canadian Ouija Board from 1980. Mm, 1892 to 1904, created in Toronto, Canada. The Volo, the Outlaw talking board in 1892, made in Chicago by the Northwestern Toy Manufacturing Company. The cool thing about this one, it says clear and rain on the left and right. And instead of goodbye on the bottom, it says farewell. I really like this one. And it's got anchors on it. It looks really cool. The number two board, Ouija board, is the Espiritu Talking Board. Or made around 1892 by the W.S. Reed Toy Company in Massachusetts. So at the top it says lost, at the bottom it says found, on the right it says good, on the left it says bad. Then it says yes, no, goodbye, I don't know. And the planchette says espiritu or revelator. I will post some pictures of this for you guys too. And the number one original Ouija board was developed in 1890 to 1891 by the Canard Novelty Company in Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, so that's all I got for Ouija boards. I know this was pretty long, pretty long for me, um, but I wanted to get a good episode in before I left town because who even knows the next day I'll do one. Next time I will probably be drinking coffee. Maybe I'll have a beer. I kind of like doing these after I've had a beer. I feel like, I don't know, I like it. Anyway, I hope everyone has a wonderful week slash weekend happy halloween guys it's gonna be halloween on sunday if you're gonna see music on halloween please have such a good time please if you want to show me your costumes email them to lattesandlegends at gmail.com i would love to see your costumes i would love that so very much i will put my costume all over instagram so i will put it on lattes and legends as well um, yeah, that's all I've got. Have a wonderful and safe Halloween. Please, please, please wish me safe travels because I don't like flying, but I don't like driving either. So I guess this is the better route. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Happy Halloween. Don't play the Ouija board. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.